This is Reconstructing Christianity. Join us as we encourage believers to reconstruct the heart of the Christian faith in this deconstructing world. Hello, I'm Tim. And I'm Kendrick. And this is Season 1, Episode 1 of Reconstructing Christianity. Congratulations on being here with us, all five of you. Um, I'm excited to hop into this uh, season. And, uh, you know, for our first episode, we kind of just want to lay the groundwork of where we're at. Where's the church? Where's Christianity in society today? What is the state of it? Are we in a good place, a bad place? What do you think, Kendrick? Honestly, I would say that Christianity is in a bad place. It seems like we're becoming the minorities, and it seems that the... Um, that the judicial system's coming after us, and so all the standard dispensational stuff. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll give them one thing. You know, things aren't looking great outside our four walls of the church, you know. So, if there's any strength to that argument, you know, yeah, things aren't looking good. But, um... They sure did predict, predict 2020 well. Well, yeah. Even beyond that, it just gets worse daily. Oh, yeah. But, uh... Well, let, let's trace some of these things. Let's dig deeper than just, oh, things are bad. Okay. So, when we're out on the streets and you hear the name Christian, what, what do you think that means to your average person? Does that really carry any meaning anymore? No, it really just means that they're a raised Christian, even though they're probably Baptist, and they're not supposed to believe that they're supposed to be, supposed to be raised Christian. You know, I don't think it really gives any meaning. What do you think? Oh, yeah, definitely not. I mean, if I walked up to someone and they said, yeah, I'm a Christian, I would probably my first instinct would be to think they're not. Um, You know, this has always been a problem, but it seems to be worse because, um, you know, saying I'm a Christian, you would at least try to live some type of moral life. And, you know, even relying on your good works, at least it was somehow conforming to Scripture. But now you can say you're a Christian and literally just do whatever you want. Yes, a life of pi. um, You know, you could be Christian, Muslim, Hindu, whatever you want. Right. And uh, so I was reading an article before this. And um, I think this kind of brings the point home. The article is titled, OnlyFans Stripper Says Naked Videos Are What God Wants Her to Do. Oh, no. So let me let me read a little bit of this um, to y'all. Uh, this model is redefining what it means to be holy. Posting on OnlyFans. Nita Marie, a self-proclaimed Christian OnlyFans model, asserts that stripping for strangers online is what God wants me to do. Wow. You know, who who am I to question, you know, what God wants her to do? I mean, it's not like we can point to any standard to say that's wrong or anything, right? Yeah, I mean, she's stripping for God. I mean, <laughs> uh, well, I'm going to keep reading. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, she says, I asked God if I should continue stripping off. And the answer was always yes. Oh. The Colorado resident 45 
told Jam Press. So God is telling this woman to strip on OnlyFans. It's one of those mystical uh, voices from God. Right. I mean, how, how, how am I to know? Obviously, if she says it's God, it must be God, right? Exactly. Continuing. <laughs> the godly model who has 953,000 followers and earns 1.8 million a year found Christianity after having a dream about Jesus when she was nine years old. Although she was not raised in a religious household, she became more spiritual and tried to build a relationship with Jesus without all the misogyny. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm sorry. What? She's on OnlyFans, and she's worried about misogyny. I what think, do you think, Kenny? <laughs> I think OnlyFans is the only place where you do expect misogyny. Right. I mean, I guess I'm just old-fashioned, maybe. Oh, we're just old-fashioned, <laughs> old coots. But I always thought misogyny was just treating women like objects and uh, like not people. But uh, I guess just, you know, misogyny today is, you know, it's more respecting com- women. It's more complex. It's letting them strip on OnlyFans <laughs> so that they could use her for their own self-pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, obviously what we're saying is in a joking tone. But this kind of gets the point across, I think, how... You know, Christianity was a derogatory term given to Christ followers because they were so set apart. You could tell they were worshiping Christ. But now, being a Christian means you don't have to listen to anything Christ told you to do and you can just do whatever you want. It means that you kind of like get your own spiritual high from Christ. Yeah, it's like saying, I'm a Christ follower. But I don't follow anything Christ tells me to do. Yeah, you could get your own spiritual high from Muhammad or from... But it's all relative. But you get your spiritual high from Jesus. Right. And, you know, let's let's trace this a little deeper. Kenny, what is postmodernism? Well, the way I like to view the different, mo- the different uh, times in, phil- in philosophy is the idea of baseball. Okay, baseball. So, the pre-modern mindset was, okay, that's a strike. I know it's just a strike. And then, in the modern mindset, it's, okay, that's a strike. I see it with my own eyes. And postmodernism is, it's a strike because I feel like it's a strike. Yeah, it's a strike because, um, you know, that person perceived it as a strike. Mm -hmm. And who am I to question their truth, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so postmodernism is basically the idea that there's no objective standard for truth anymore. Truth is now based upon what you feel to be true when it used to be you could look outside of yourself to determine what is true objectively. And because of this... You know, you can say you're a Christian without actually being one because, hey, guess what? That's your truth. And if anyone ever questions your truth, well, they're just a bigot. They can't be objective about these things. Yeah, you're a legalist. uh, You're a legalist, Pharisee, 
Christian. I mean, you're you're just so mean spirited. Right. Yeah. It's it's also absurd, but frankly, this is just where we're at today. It's the whole foundation of our culture. We've replaced our objective foundation with a shaky one of feelings and relativity, and it's not going to lead us to anywhere good, to anywhere we need to go, because there's it's directionless. There's literally no direction. What do you think, Kendrick? Well, I would think that basically that Christianity, um, like you said, has no direction. And therefore, it could be whatever it wants to be. It seems like the atheists have won, and that um, our Christian leaders and Christian pastors are not really putting up a fight. Yeah, so, you know, there's how Christianity is perceived out in the world. But then you turn and look at, you know, the church. What is Christianity in the church? What's the state of Christianity within the four walls of the church? Well, I think um, if we're being honest, we're all going to say it's probably not looking great. Yeah, you got the... um you got the Methodists who are just basically, who are just basically liberals. Right. Uh, you got the Episcopalians who are just liberals. You got the Anglicans, which are half good, half bad. And you got the SBC, you know, chasing them. Oh yeah. Trying as hard as they can to go liberal. Oh, uh, they're trying their hardest now. <laughs> they are absolutely just gun ho on going liberal. Do you think there's going to be a divide at the next convention over the female pastor issue? No. Um, what's going to happen oh, is you that... you have higher hopes than I do. Well, not really. It's going to... You see, what's going to happen is that, is that the liberals are going to take over. They're going to be loud as possible. And then they're going to shoehorn their way into into getting female pastors or pastresses. Ugh. And... Ugh. And then <laughs> all the... Um, and then all the conservatives are just going to back down and just kind of go with their tail in between their legs and give them all the nice churches and then just kind of go out into their own denomination. Yeah, what's funny is this stuff happens in cycles. So, um, you know, the conservative Christians, they do all the hard work of building institutions. Over time, they become liberalized. And then the conservatives, you know, they whine and complain and let it happen and then eventually they're like all right it's too far gone we're we need to leave and you know start a new institution and then over time that one becomes liberalized again kendrick how do we break this cycle i think it's pretty darn obvious but maybe it's not as obvious as i'm thinking it is well it's i think we're both thinking the same thing and that it's so obvious that you just need to stand your ground and actually fight for the church and I'm just not talking about the building for the church for the institution if you really had a passion in, in your institution you would fight for it uh, these passionless men do not want to fight for anything I'm yeah and we, we kind of talked about this in our intro how passivity leads to all this stuff happening you're like oh feminism is creeping in well this that's not really addressed in the Bible. That's a secondary issue, so I'm just going to leave it be. And like a cancer, it grows inside that institution, 
and it all goes downhill because they were short-sighted and they didn't stand firm and stand their ground like men they acted like women yeah it's usually that they're um that they go like oh it's a secondary issue and then it turns into their defining issue and then other people look the other way like with laying flowers towards calvinism oh oh boy and he doesn't actually fight the big fights for the SBC. So that's basically what you got. Yeah, so it, it's funny. We got to be careful because we want to create allies and not create enemies where we don't need to. I mean, we can get into the whole Calvinism versus Arminianism thing, but do we have a common battle amongst Calvinists and Arminians? Can we have commonality in what direction we go? Yeah, I think we really can. Um, we can have a commonality with uh, Baptists and Presbyterians, Baptists and Anglicans. Um, but as long as we're going with the fight with Scripture in mind, and not just looking for, and not just looking f- uh, for blood, basically. Yeah, I guess. You know, the point I'm getting at is Calvinists and Arminians are going to agree on quite a few things, probably. But we can also both look at the state of the church and how liberalized it becomes and realize, hey, when it comes to this issue, we're on the same team. So what we need to do is stand together, put this thing to death. And once that's taken care of, we can work out our issues. But it seems like oftentimes we're short-sighted and we get distracted about the things that aren't pressing right now. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's. Um, I think that we get distracted with a lot of things that um, that we that we are um, looking to. Um, but also, um, there are many conservative Christians like us. Which tr- which um, try and look cool, try and look cool um, by saying, "Oh, I'm I'm not like most conservative Christians. I blah blah blah." Um, they often punch the right and sort of self destruct the right. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the saying is, uh, you know, you punch right and try to reason with the left, which is completely backwards okay you're going to try to punch down on one your congregants especially in the south um you know what's funny is most of the pastors and leadership they can become liberalized in a lot of their views and seminaries they come to churches made up of a lot of you know down-to-earth conservatives who are really just worried about what's going on in their household and trying to protect the community they're in. And they punch down on these people because, you know, they voted for Trump and Trump's big orange man bad. And because of that, they often just despise their own congregants. Meanwhile, there's the God-hating left. Everything they do is out of rebellion towards what Christianity has built. And because Christianity built it, God built it, so it's ultimately out of rebellion towards him. And they try to reason with them. These people are, they despise you. 
They despise your congregants, and instead of shepherding like Christ protecting your flock, you're reasoning with the wolves and beating the sheep. Honestly, it sounds like the complete opposite of what you're supposed to do. That's you're, because it is. <laughs> you're fleecing the flock, basically, hoping to gain the few leftists that are probably going to corrupt your church anyways. Oh, and it's it's deceptive, too, because they'll say, just come to our church, we'll love on you, we'll do all these things, you know. We know you're struggling with those transgender things, we'll affirm your pronouns, and then they'll say, and they won't say this to the person, but they'll say this to the congregation. Once they're saved, then we'll deal with all those issues. So it's almost deceptive how you're bringing someone to Christ. It's like, look, I know if I address these issues up front, you won't come. So what I'm going to do is accept you how you are, not talk about sin. And then once you're saved, then we'll address those things. And it's like a backdoor way of dealing with it, which is just, in a, you know, backdoor, take that however you want. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, but it's just so backwards and dishonest. Yeah, I mean, they... They, they say, okay, come as you are. We don't need to talk about this just yet. You're probably going to corrupt most of the younger kids with what you say and with what you do. And then, um, meanwhile, you're going to punish the other congregants for actually just wanting to be there, wanting to learn from God, wanting to be in a worship setting, and then... They just, they, and then they're supposed to act like homosexual, homosexuality, living with your, living with your, um, gay spouse. Yeah, gay spouse. Well, not, it's not a spouse, but you know what I mean. Living your, living with your gay roommate or living yeah. with your, um, with your girlfriend. No, you, um, anyways, I want to say more on that, but. We'll, we'll have to. Right. Well, I guess the, the point I'm making is one of the qualifications for being an elder or being a pastor in your church is the understanding that you're going to protect the sheep. And a lot of churches are just run by disqualified pastors. On top of that, in the leadership, you have feminism, which has crept in. So, you know, commands towards elders about have, having a wife who's not loud and a gossip and those things. Um, they're put on the back burner, and a lot of these elders and pastors have the biggest gossips, the loudest women in church, and it's just funny because they're disqualified, and yet no one wants to say anything about it. Yeah, we've kind of gone this, like, we've punched too hard to the other side, where, um, where one side was exclusive that... You know, anyone who dressed wrongly was excommunicated from your church. Right, you're not wearing a skirt. You're wearing pants. Get out of here. Yeah. And then we've gone too far to the other side where, oh, are you, you're wearing a tight dress. That's fine. Um, you're wearing you're wearing just a bra to church. That's fine. Uh, you're just wearing a jock. I ain't some underwear. <laughs> you're wearing a thong. Yeah, you're, you're a male wearing a thong. That's fine. No. Um, we've oh, punched. Gross. I don't need that image in my head. We need to. I mean, we've 
we're not allowed to be aggressive for holiness at our church, at our churches, and we're not able to aggressively go for go for the truth. Yeah, and the way I like to phrase it, and uh, just prepare yourselves, um, I call this the whoring of the church. So you you have the church that needs to be protected and guarded, but instead you seek approval from the people outside the walls, the God-haters. So you compromise the people by bashing and slandering them, all so that you look good to the world. And, you know, maybe you'll win some of them over, but let's be honest. You just want acceptance. You're a bad person. Step down. Yeah, we see this in all the churches. You know, the churches that have dim lights and have that... um, have the uh, cool effects on screen and have the cool, you know, the cool uh, light show. Well, I would actually even make a differentiation, difference, differentiation. <laughs> There's a difference between that and, you know, trying to be perceived good by people in the church. But these people go even more extreme than that. And they whore themselves to people that don't even like them or want to go to their church. Mm. So, you know, the dim lights and everything, we can spend plenty of time talking about that, but I even make that a a distinction between that and what's going on. And even just think on the Twitter sphere. I mean, Keller, Mm. you know, all Uh, your big name evangelicals, Russell Moore, the big Evas with their uh, yeah. he, him pronouns or she, her. Yeah. Like, that's not for people in the church. You're not doing that for people in your congregation. Why are you doing that? You're doing it to invite the tran- to invite transgender people. Yeah, it's almost like, um, uh, what's his name? Brandon Robertson? No, not Brandon Robertson. We put an article out about it that was Oh, J.D. Greer? Yeah, there we go. J.D. Greer. Yeah, how he's talking about how the church should be the safest place for people to come out. So one, you have no barrier for entry for becoming a member of your church. You can be an unrepentant sinner and be able to go to his church and come out. Now, I've heard people try to nuance his statement and say, Oh, well, he's just saying that, you know, the church should be a safe place for people to confess their sin. Kendrick, is that the same thing as coming out? No, coming out is a celebration of your homosexuality or your different sexual... Yeah, and it's embracing an identity other than Christ. Hmm. The foundation of the church and unity within the body. This is the state of our church. He is, he was the leader of the SBC, guys. This should scare all of us, and we need to take radical measures. You know, I, I talk about gatekeeping often, but these people need to be gatekept. They, after making a statement like that, step down. You are disqualified. I think any pastor who even suggests that you should that you should come out at your church should be disqualified and anyone who shouldn't who even says 
who even affirms homosexuality should be disqualified. These are not new things. This is this is not a new idea. John Calvin would be agreeing with us. Oh well, he he burned someone, Kenny. You can't he, listen to anything he would say. You know, um, even though he didn't, he just for the record, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. Um, he never really, um, he never really uh, did any uh, state sponsored executions. No, he just handed him over to the officials, and the government is the one that burned him. Yeah, um, he would. Uh, us as Baptists, we would be probably like exiled from Geneva. Oh yeah, he would have burned me for sure. But <laughs> these are not new things. Um, John Calvin would be disgusted with the way the oh, church is. All the reformers. Can you imagine what Knox would say? Oh, I wish we had Knox today. Knox would probably execute most of the leaders. <laughs> Martin Luther, he would bash us. Um, and you let me nuance this: we're not advocating for people to be bashed in the skull. Okay. Please, you can take whatever clip you want, but this is abundantly clear. We are not saying hurt people. Yeah, we've never been about hurting people physically, but if they get hurt with it, but we advocate speaking the truth, and if they get hurt by that, then so be it. Oh, yeah. I mean, spiritually hurt is good. Physically hurt, don't just don't. But you know what? spiritually wound them they need to be spiritually wounded you know the bible is a sword it needs to pierce into their souls into those areas where they've compromised yeah they need to be spiritually stabbed by the sword and i mean that's how the bible puts it i'm not sure how else you're supposed to put it yeah and our our next episode is actually going to be on a theology of language you know how language is used in the scriptures oftentimes Christ is just perceived as this nice guy. He's just walking around being a friend of sinners. He wouldn't ever, you know, say anything strong. And yet he calls the Pharisees a bunch of whitewashed tombs. He calls them blasphemers, hypocrites. Um, Ezekiel 23, God himself is literally calling Israel a whore, lusting after the members of donkeys. Try to wrap your mind around that one, okay? So we're not saying every situation should be addressed with, you know, strong language like that. But we're in a time where we need more judges and prophets than we need passive men. Yeah, I mean, what passive men gets get you is the um, is the conversion of southwestern southwestern. Uh, Baptist Theological Seminary mm-hmm. to uh, to a liberal uh, there are many things I don't like about David Allen but I love David Allen's conservativeness yeah they really did him dirty and that's what happens you get uh, Southwestern firing David Allen for no reason and then you get a liberal president or a liberal uh, whoever whatever position he held um, and then he, and then he transforms Southwestern into this liberal paradise. Yeah, and um, you know the point is not to just 
whine and complain about all these things, but if we're going to rebuild, reconstruct, we need to be honest about where we're at. So the, we're not going to spend all our time whining about these things because we can and it would be easy. But this episode is simply to awaken some of you who may be in denial about these things that we're not in a good spot and we need men to rise up with courage with reckless abandon you know maybe that's not the best word but i don't care that's a i mean it's in songs it's in ccm songs yeah god is reckless so it's okay but (laughs) um you know you need to be prepared to make sacrifices to stand firm and to rebuild and we're going to suffer for it you know people within these churches these big evangelical leaders they're not going to like you for doing it there's people in your own church that probably won't like you for doing it but do it anyways because we're men and who cares yeah we're supposed to be the new covenant army and let's go out there and just and start swinging swords carefully and precisely our spiritual swords yeah and you know to hop off that and maybe to land on this final point and we can discuss this for a little bit but the church overall today has a losing mindset so we have this view of the end times where things are going downhill and you know things are getting bad what did you expect that's what the bible says so we because we're losing and that's what we expect we aren't in a position where we really are trying to push back because that's just what is meant to happen right no (laughs) we are not we are not meant to just have the pushback and just leave and then start our new colony no jesus put us in the world we are the wheat sown into the sown into a field with tares and we had to live in this world and we are expected to fight in this world yeah if you remember the great commission christ says all authority is given to me on heaven and on earth go out and make disciples of every nation so if it's in christ's authority that we are to go out and make disciples why are we failing is it christ's fault I think that most of us will want to want to pin it on God and that it's his fault, so to speak, that the, that the world is failing. But honestly, it's our fault. Yeah. I mean, okay, look at America now and look at where passivity has led us. And it is passivity. That's what's got us here is these issues arose and there weren't men that stood in the gap and put these things to death. And we're just going, you know, down the crapper. Look at Uganda, where we send all our missionaries. Look at what they're doing. They are fully Christianized. The laws they're putting out, they're like, yeah, we want to preserve the family and God's building block for society. So we're making homosexuality illegal. And that's because we send our missionaries there. And in our Western ears, when we hear things like that, we're like, oh, homosexuality illegal. That's icky. That's really icky. 
Why would they do that? Well, maybe they recognize what happened in America and how that destroyed our society. Because it does. What do you think, Kendrick? Um, I think you're exactly right. Um, whenever we tremble at these you, at these people from Uganda who are actually upholding the Bible, and then we go like, no, we're supposed to have freedom. You know, we're supposed to have um, a free society. Well, that is a free society. A society without moral. It was never... It was never deduced that a free society is a society without morals. A government without morals. Um, no, a free society has morals. And that's how we have freedom. That's how we can have guns on the street and not expect anyone to shoot them. Yeah, and that's why libertarianism is so stupid. Because, you know what? I could probably call myself a libertarian. But here's what I mean. I mean, God has given us liberties, and they should not be infringed on. Now, libertarianism today is, oh, I can make up whatever liberty I want, and the government can't touch it. Well, that's not what libertarianism is. You just tied that to your own postmodernism, and now it kind of carries no meaning at all anymore. Ironic, huh? Yeah, you you become this autonomous citizen, and then it's just like, Oh, wait, hold on. I'm being arrested by the government. I got to tell you, that's what the founders wanted. They wanted they wanted lawbreakers to be to be put in prison. But they also want freedoms with a conscience. Um that's why that's why guns are around. They thought that if you had a conscience, you wouldn't shoot up a school. If you had a conscience, you wouldn't throw your gun into a dumpster, into an elementary school dumpster. Mm-hmm. Um, these freedoms, I mean, this conscience is what gives us the right, is what gives us the uh, freedom to have guns. And whenever you shoot up someone on a prank, that's how you get your freedom taken away. Yeah. And um, what's funny is in the establishment of the Constitution, they borrowed from British common law and you want to guess where they borrowed from it's obviously from men's philosophy oh yeah no the bible they borrowed from the bible oh darn it so the foundation of our society was the bible and we really flourished from it and now that all those building blocks and institutions have been torn down people are like Oh, oh man, America's bad right now. All the liberals are complaining about how bad America is. You've shot yourself in the foot. It's your fault. <laughs> it's bad because of you. You you have taken one the found the foundation down and you're you're saying, "Oh no, the building's falling apart." Right. And we've also, you know, Christian intellectualism is dead today. Yeah, I think it's I think it's being rejuvenated because it's necessary. But for a long period since the Second Great Awakening when revivalism became big, people just turned off their brains and it was fully whatever experience drew you to the altar to make a profession of faith. That's all you need. Whatever makes you feel that draws you to God, that's what you need. And during this time all the cults come out of it 
and we lost our Christian backbone, our Christian brain. And because of that, people didn't really know how to protect anymore because they didn't know how. Because it was all turned into an emotionalistic thing. Yeah, God called your God called your feelings, but not your mind or your heart. Yeah, love the Lord with what? Your heart, your mind. Oh, not just my heart. No. God tells you to love you, love Him, with your mind. That means you should be learning about God and know why. God is good and why the societies where he's the foundation are also good and be able to say those things and win people over but we don't know how to do that anymore I want to give you guys a little PSA that John Calvin probably I did not say just to go with your with your heart and go with and just you know go with the experience no he said to follow the lord your god with it, with your mind um to think well he's quoting from scripture yeah so i mean yeah obviously mm-hmm. you don't even have to point to calvin you can just point to scripture <laughs> yeah um so i mean that's how that's how um we get these societies that's how we get common law tied with the bible that's how um and I know Catholic Church, you, but um, there are a lot of good things that came from from that era, from the medieval area era. You know the uh, what is it called? The um, Renaissance. It's the uh, Dark Ages. Oh yes, the Dark Ages. From yeah, they weren't dark. No, they're full of light. Yeah, with, they were great, actually. It's almost like that era build up a lot of the laws that we have in Europe and in America. Yeah, and this is why church history is important because they had time to actually develop these ideas and to figure out how you apply scripture to society. We don't think that way anymore. We think uh, apply the Bible to society, well, the separation of Church and state, you can't do that. The The Bible doesn't infringe on my freedoms. Yeah. Uh, it needs consent. My freedom. No. Actually, the foundation of our society today was built on Scripture. So if you're making the argument, the separation of church and state, you don't know what you're talking about and you've turned your brain off. And that's for both the libtards and the... Uh, <laughs> And the uh, far right. Yes. And I'm not talking about just anyone who votes for... For Trump. For Trump or DeSantis. I'm talking about those who are just pure... Um, racist? I don't yeah, know. racist, <laughs> far right, QAnon. But even the word racist. And Do we know what that even means anymore? No. Right. It just It's just what makes you feel bad. It's actually the playing card that you use whenever you don't like something. Yeah. Well, I mean, now the term is um, uh, not not racist. It's a fascist. Oh, fascist. Now you're just a fascist. Racism doesn't mean anything anymore. So we're going to make fascism not mean anything anymore. Yeah, whenever you apply the Bible to society, it's fascist. Yeah. Not, 
huh but the founders applied the bible to the yeah. society oh no we and they're giving it. you the freedom to say the nonsense that you're saying that's interesting but um if by the way i wanted to point this out if you guys think that we're punching right and not punch and trying to save the left through this you are not understanding what we're saying yeah i shouldn't have to point this out but i know that people are going to point this out later on so i'm saying it right now yeah yeah i mean i think we're going to spend more time punching left because the left is way more gone than the right is but the right has its own issues let's let us not forget the right is corrupt maybe not as much as the left is but it's still corrupt yeah so i feel no obligation to be defending all the people on the right but all your conservative christians are probably going to vote that way and you know what i'm on most of their team so Mm -hmm. i think most of them are just men and women that want to protect their families from the onslaught the left going hard in the paint and coming after you and your kids yeah I'm on their side. They want to defend their families. Yeah. I'm I'm for the right, for protecting your family. Um, heck, people say people would say that we're probably too far right. Yeah, but, I mean, the right would probably say we're too far right. <laughs> yeah, sure. But that's, this episode is how we would describe the state of Christianity today. Yes, yeah. Yeah, um, you know, we don't want to leave you on a dour note, okay? We, we know we just kind of unloaded a lot of stuff on you, and you might be feeling like, oh, what am I even going to do? This is this is terrible. Um, this, is, this might sound like a Paul Washer sermon. Yeah. <laughs> but, we, but there will be hope at the end of this tunnel, I promise you. Yeah, and let me, let me give you a, a taste of that now. Christ is Lord. He is seated on his throne at the right hand of the Father. And all of his enemies are being made a footstool. So guess what? Those people coming for your children, they will be made a footstool. They will either willingly bow at the feet of Christ, or Christ will make them. Have no fear. Stand in the gap.